Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 or maybe on the internet or the TuneIn app, of course. We love having you listen to our show. We love sharing the Bible with you, sharing interviews with you, giving stuff away to you. And of course, we have another clue for the quiz. So we already know that this guy debated with a group from the synagogue of freedmen. I'm actually going to give two clues now because we, we we skipped a section of clues, but here we go. And the next clue is Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, <laughs> Timon, Permanus, and Nicholas. I hope I didn't butcher any. I butchered every single one of those names. Um and I were chosen to and, care and, for the and, widow, and you so left they my weren't neglected. Off. Yeah, because I because I didn't want to hear you. I didn't want to hear you <laughs> speak. <laughs> see see how I get treated here on the radio. See what happens. The it's next clue is: my clothes were laid at the feet of a man named Saul. Ooh, why did that happen? Who might that be? If you know the answer, 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or 0491-064-669. Text us on that number and you will find the answer for yourself. Yeah, you will. You will. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So we are getting into our encounter with God today. And of course, don't forget if you are listening to the delayed broadcast, then you need to get across and listen to the live show so that you can answer the quiz and win yourself a prize yourself. Win yourself a prize yourself. Yes, yes. that works. Yep. yep uh-huh, that yep. makes sense. I'm feeling totally. mm-hmm. <clears throat> You see, Lawson and I have an excuse this morning because... We both got a head cold. No, we don't have any excuses, Lyle. Oh, okay. Don't, we don't have any excuses. You don't, you don't have any excuses. I don't have any excuses. Okay, all right. Stop it. Stop it. Stop <coughs> being such a Debbie Downer and just take responsibility for your shortcomings. <laughs> <laughs> I was taking responsibility for my shortcomings. No, I was actually blaming a bug. And then, all right. Then me. <laughs> well, you're always to blame. Okay. It's always, oh, it's always Lawson's here fault. Here we go. Always it's classic. Always Lawson's fault. Move. Wow. Well. Yeah. All right, La. What, what are we studying today? See, I used to be the apprentice, but I'm no longer the apprentice. You're now the apprentice. That means yeah. I get to blame you. <laughs> That's how it works. You should know this before you come into work. This is this is the system. Like, rule number one. Rule number, number one. one. Apprentice <laughs> is the lowest form of vegetable matter. Lawson, why aren't you sleeping the, sweeping the floor right now? Because I'm on the radio, mate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. All right, so let's go to Revelation. Let's, let's move on from foolishness and go to Revelation chapter 8 and yes. verse 2. We are there. Where a new prophecy begins. It's kind of weird how it begins in verse 2. Mm-hmm. They should have left verse 1 as a part of chapter 7. Yes. But when they put the chapters and verses in, I think it was the 11th century, mm. occasionally they messed up kind of epically. Yeah. And this is one of those cases. I mean, it really doesn't matter, but um, yeah, it would have fitted better. It's it's actually crazy in the Psalms as well, where there's like a verse halfway through like a sentence and like in a section, yeah, in like a paragraph. Like, what were you thinking? And then like, like halfway through like the verse is the end of a paragraph and the end of a sentence and then it, like, skips down to another paragraph in the same verse and it's like, how am I supposed to, like, preach about this, like, without including the whole verse and people being super confused? But anyway, let's let's have a read. It's an easy way of doing it, Lawson. Just buy a KJV and then all of the... You don't have those paragraph breaks to worry about. Yeah, but I like paragraph breaks. I like having my assisted Bible that yeah, assists see, me to assisted stuff. 
Lame. Back in my day when Lame. we used to walk 50 kilometers yes, right. to school and That's carry the horse across the creek. <laughs> Back in my day when there we were, were no men. cars. Real men use KJVs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's read the Bible. <laughs> Why is it when, when we get the flu, we get sillier? Yep, yep. All right, verse 2, please. In Revelation chapter 8 and verse 2, the Bible says, I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. So here we are introduced to the prophecy of the seven trumpets. This is the third of our seven. So far, we have had seven churches, uh-huh. followed by seven seals, yep. and now seven trumpets. Mm-hmm. The seven churches, the introduction to the seven churches is basically Revelation chapter one, although you could say it's the last few verses of chapter one and that the first verses of chapter one are the introduction to the entire book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the introduction to the seven seals is the entirety of chapters four and five. Very, very long introduction to the mm-hmm. prophecy of the seven seals. Now we come to the prophecy of the seven trumpets. And when we're studying a prophecy, of course, there are a number of key factors that are going to act like a grid reference on a map to, f- to show you exactly where you need to be. Mm. And the two most important of those uh, uh, grid references, so to speak, is time and place. If you can establish the time period in which a prophecy begins, mm-hmm. and if you can establish the, establish the geographical location, then that's going to, where that prophecy takes place, that's going to give you a great help in being able yeah, to identify 100%. what the prophecy is all about. And of course, we need to look at the event. You know, what is it that is actually happening here? Uh, what are we actually talking about? Now, we know that we have the concept of repeat and enlarge. Mm-hmm. So, the seven seals has repeated the seven churches as far as time period goes, stretching from the time of the apostle, the apostle John, the, the, the prophet, the author of the book, mm-hmm. all the way down through to the end of time. Uh, we find exactly that that is exactly the same in the in the seven churches. We find it in the seven seals, and now we come to the seven trumpets. Mm. What we did notice in the seven seals was that the first of the seals actually parallel each other directly because the seven seals have a lot to do with uh, God's relationship with His church. Mm-hmm. The seven trumpets is going to be unique in Bible prophecy, in that apart from one or two side references to God's church, Mm -hmm. there is no reference to God's church in this prophecy. Yep. This is a prophecy that is basically entirely secular. Wow. So it's dealing with secular events, it's dealing with political events, rather than dealing with God's church. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you can work your way down through it, and it's like, yep, nothing about the church, nothing about the church, nothing. About, and, and so that makes it quite different from the previous two. And so we cannot expect the dates to line up because uh, big events within Christianity, of course, are going to line up with each other, but not necessarily line up with big events taking place in the political world. Mm-hmm. We can expect the same time frame, beginning with the time of the... Uh, the Apostle John, the prophet, is writing it and stretching through to the very end of time. And we need to establish this from the Bible. Um, and so we'll begin here in verse 2. The Bible says, I saw seven angels standing before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So the first thing, so the chronology of how this is written is important. The first thing that John sees is the seven angels come out with the seven trumpets. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important. 
because they're all standing there. They are all ready to blow their trumpets before the next thing is seen. After they do that, after they do that, what happens in verse 3? The Bible says, Then another angel with with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. Thank you. Okay, so we need to identify who this angel is and we need to notice what this angel is doing and we need to identify whereabouts this angel is. And we can get some clues once again when we look at the concept of repeat and enlarge. Mm. In the introduction to the seven churches, was there a sanctuary scene? Yes. And what part of the sanctuary in the intro to the seven churches was highlighted? They're amongst the the golden lampstands. The seven golden candlesticks. So, they're in the holy place. That's the holy place. Mm. In the introduction to the uh, seven seals, was there a sanctuary scene? Yes. And what part of the sanctuary was highlighted in that scene? The throne. The throne room of God. And the Bible says that the throne was before, Mm -hmm. if you go to Revelation chapter 4, let's look over there very quickly. The throne was before... Um, verse 5 Chapter 4 verse 5 4 verse 5 The Bible says From the throne came flashes of lightning And the rumble of fun- thunder And in front of the throne were seven torches With burning flames This is the sevenfold spirit of God In front of the throne was a shiny sea of don't glass Don't need the sea of glass Sorry? Don't need the sea oh, of glass Oh yeah we don't need that Yep Don't, don't need that noise N- <laughs> yeah, now we're good. We'll come back and talk about the seven lamps of fire or the seven branch candlestick in just a moment. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so here in the introduction to the seven seals, so in the introduction to the seven churches, we find Jesus standing in the middle of the candlesticks. Mm-hmm. Here we find that he's at the throne and the throne the the set candlesticks are now in front of the throne. Mm-hmm. So if you go back to the sanctuary that was on earth, what was in front of the throne? Sorry, what was in front of the candlesticks? In front of the the candlesticks. Yeah, on the opposite side. On the upper, opposite side was the table of showbread. The table of showbread. Yeah, absolutely. And the table of showbread is symbolic of the throne of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got once again a sanctuary scene, and once again this sanctuary scene is in the holy place of mm-hmm. the sanctuary yeah. in heaven. Now we come to this scene, and before we even read this verse again, where would we expect the context to be at the beginning of, in the introduction to the seven trumpets? From just just going from previous, yeah, where would where, what what kind of context would we expect? Just after Jesus, like yes, pre- but what part of the sanctuary? Oh, in the holy place, the holy place. We yeah. would expect to see a holy place. Scene, wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Had a holy yep, place yep. scene in the seven churches, have a holy place scene in the seven seals. We would expect a holy place scene here. Okay, let's mm-hmm. uh, go a little bit deeper on this. In the seven churches, you have Jesus at the candlesticks. In the seven seals, you have Jesus at the table of showbread. Where would you expect to find him here? 
the altar of incense. That's right, because there are three pieces yeah. of furniture yeah. in the holy place of the sanctuary in heaven, and there are three parallel prophecies that kick off the book of Revelation. Yeah. And guess what we have? We have, surprise, surprise, a holy place <laughs> scene. And guess what we have? Surprise, surprise, we have the altar of, of incense. incense. And Bam. the Bible describes an angel. Yes. At the altar of incense. Mm. Uh-oh. Shouldn't we have Jesus here? Yeah, we should. So why does the Bible describe an angel here? Man, that's a, that's a tough question. There's a lot. Now, now it's now it's now it's out of sync. Now it doesn't yeah. repeat and enlarge. Yeah, it's not repeating itself. We have a a a, 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 a contradiction happening here, yeah. don't we? Well, because we had Jesus at the the candlesticks. Yep. We had Jesus as the, at the at the throne, but now it says we have an angel at the altar of incense. So it's not repeating and enlarging. Where where are we going then? What's what's going on? Yeah. Okay. All right. So in the sanctuary where God, where Jesus is interceding for us, mm-hmm. we find this angel. You know, that's a really good thought. Um, I wonder whether I wonder whether we get Marta to play that song for us, that three um, ABN song um, in the sanctuary. Ooh. Yeah, that would be great. She could play that song for us, and that'd be really awesome. Thanks, Marta. We love you. <laughs> I, I, think, I think she's busy doing something else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll give her a hard time She's later. giving us such blank stares. <laughs> she's just like, what are those guys up to now? <laughs> Getting me into all kinds of strife. <laughs> okay. Anyway, changing the subject, moving on with that. Um, here's something we can notice. Mm-hmm. When we read the word angel in the Bible, we automatically assume, and it is an assumption, a heavenly being created by God, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Is every angel in the Bible a heavenly being created by God? No. No, because Paul is referred to as an angel. Mm -hmm. King David is referred to as an angel. And let me show you something else. Let's go to Genesis. Here we go. Genesis, first book of the Bible. I'm not sure where we're going yet, but somewhere near the end of Genesis. Ooh, where shall we go? Where shall we go? It should be right about here. Da, 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 da. The, chapter 48 and verse 16. All right, the Bible says in chapter 48 and verse 16, the angel who has redeemed... Uh, the- what, 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 what? The angel who has done what? Redeemed me. How many redeemers are there? One. Who is that? Jesus. So who is the angel here? <laughs> go over to uh, go over to Exodus chapter three. Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. And verse two. Okay, Exodus chapter three and verse two. The Bible says. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement through the bush. Uh, though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. Okay, so the angel of the Lord was in the bush. Who was in the bush? The person who was in the bush introduces himself in verse 14. Mm-hmm. All right, let's read. This is, this is the angel of the Lord introducing himself from the bush. God replied to Moses... <coughs> I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Okay. 
So here you have the self-existent God, the ruler and creator of the universe, Jesus Christ himself, who introduces himself as the great I am. Mm. So we find that in the Bible, and we could look at, I could show you dozens and dozens of verses where Jesus is described as an angel. This Mm -hmm. does not mean that Jesus is a created being. This does not mean that Jesus had an origin. Mm -hmm. This does not mean that at some time in the distant past, Jesus was not separate from the Father. Jesus has been a separate being without origin, separate from the Father for eternity. The Bible is crystal clear on that. The Bible says that he, Jesus, was before all things. You cannot have Mm -hmm. the Father before Jesus if Jesus was before all things. Mm -hmm. That's clear. Yeah. This does not mean that Jesus is not God. This simply means the word angel means messenger. Yeah. Was Jesus a messenger? Yes. Duh. He was the messenger. Of course. Obviously. Yeah. Has there ever been a greater messenger than Jesus? No. No. So he is the greatest or the ark, we might say, mm-hmm. messenger, because that word means greatest. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is the greatest messenger who has ever lived and... Uh, we need to now ask ourselves the question because the assumption that we would make in Revelation chapter 8 is that the angel depicted here offering incense and interceding at the golden altar is none other than Jesus Christ. We would make that assumption to begin with based off the principle of repeat and enlarge. Mm -hmm. Where the churches begin with Jesus, the seals begin with Jesus, we would assume that the trumpets would begin with Jesus. Where the Churches begin with Jesus in the holy place. The seals begin with Jesus in the holy place. We would assume that the trumpets begin with Jesus in the holy place. Where the churches begin with Jesus in the holy place at the candlesticks and the seals begin with Jesus in the holy place at the table of showbread, that we would assume that the trumpets would begin with Jesus at the holy place at the altar of incense. Yeah. Those, that would, those would be reasonable assumptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we need to look further and confirm this so that nobody can argue with it. Mm-hmm. What work is this angel doing at the altar of incense? He's doing the work of, of intercession. Um, intercession? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, how many in- interceders do we have? Only one. Only one. Mm-hmm. And that is Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, moving on from there, let's re- go back to Exodus chapter, and we'll, we'll just nail this one down completely and finally for sure so that nobody can ever, ever get this one wrong. There is only one intercessor between us and God, the man Jesus Christ. Christ. Okay, so let's look at uh, Revelation chapter 8. And now, could you read for us verse 4 and 5, please? Yes, sure. The Bible says, The smoke of the incense mixed with the the prayers of God's people holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth and thunder crashed, lightning flashed, and there was a terrible earthquake. Okay, so when you think about this for a moment, what does the angel do here with the censer? He throws it down. What does he fill it with first? He fills it with fire. Okay, so this is a different kind of a thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You don't fill a censer with fire. You fill a, sen- a censer with incense. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no incense now. So he's working there at the altar of incense. Mm-hmm. He is interceding on behalf of the prayers of the saints. He has a golden incense, so that smoke is symbolic of the prayers of the saints. Mm-hmm. He's doing the work of intercession, and then he stops that. 
Yep. He fills that censer with fire, and the Bible says he throws it into the world. Mm. What have you got taking place here? Intercession mm. is coming to an end. Yeah. This is a close of probation that we are talking about, isn't it? Yeah, this is, yeah. Okay, so here's here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. Who has the power to close probation? Does any created being have the power to close probation? Nope. None whatsoever at all. Only God has the power to close probation, and here we find that Jesus, who is God, closes probation. This is Jaden Lavick with Blessed Assurance.
listening to Jaden Lovick with Blessed Assurance here on Faith FM. Let's have another clue for our quiz there, seeing as nobody has snapped it up oh, yet. Yeah, here we go. Oh, this is this is the banger one. This is like you know this, you're in. You okay. ready? Right. Ready? You ready? Get ready, give us a call. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. You will get a prize. But here we go. <coughs> I was the first Christian martyr. If you know the answer to that question, you know the number. Give us a call. There is a prize coming your way. Okay, so coming back to what we were talking about before we went to the break, we find that there is a close of probation taking place here, isn't there? Yes. The censer is being filled with fire rather than incense. That means that there is no more intercession. Yeah. And then that censer is thrown into the world, uh-huh. symbolizing that, hey, it's over. There's fire coming down rather yep. than intercession. Destruction. It's a little bit of a parallel to the, uh, to the, to the scene we see in Daniel chapter 2 of the stone that hits the foot, you know? Which yeah, it's is a little a, bit like that. Like, which is another symbol of the world ending. But not quite the same. Yes. It's a little bit different. We need to notice the difference. Okay. Let's think about closes of probation. There's mm-hmm. been a number of closes of probation, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes close, uh, probation will close on an individual mm-hmm. while they're still alive. Yes. And once you die, your probation is obviously closed. And when we talk about closes of probation, we're talking about opportunity for salvation. Yes. Okay. Uh, can you think of any? An Pharaoh? individual. Oh, Pharaoh, yes. So when Pharaoh chases the Israelites into the Red Sea, his probation was closed. Mm-hmm. It was over for him. He yeah. didn't realize it, but he did not have long to live. Good one. Yeah. All right. Um, let's think of other kinds of closes of probation. Sometimes you might have a close of probation on a town or a city. Mm-hmm. Got an example of that. Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, right there. Good example. Probation closed on those uh, two cities and God put fire and brimstone down upon them. Or a, All right. What about a nation? Oh, well, this, uh, this is a bit controversial. Actually, I, I know a period of probation that was given. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In, in the book of Jonah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah so yeah, Jonah yeah. rocks up and says, you know, 40 days. 40 days. And Nineveh shall be destroyed. It, it'll, it'll be done. That's a probation uh-huh. that's given. And, and if they hadn't have repented, that would have came to an end. Of probation would have been closed. It and did. What are you talking about? No, but they repented. Yeah, but the probation still closed. The city was still destroyed 40 days later. What? Yeah. Am I... Am I am I dumb? Like, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Lawson's heresy alarm just went off big time. Wee, 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 <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Dave for a Year principle? Nineveh uh, was destroyed forty years. Forty years after later, Jonah was there. Okay, Jonah, I, just, Jonah, Jonah just missed I, the Dave for a Year principle. Ah, uh, yeah, man, wow! Because I, I was so confused. Now, I was like, <laughs> like, like what? The, I, I did not read that in the book no. of Jonah. <laughs> like, what was that? It's like Jonah chapter <laughs> six. Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> yes, the, the the like two and a half chapters of Jonah are all about how the probation did not close on the whole city and Jonah got really bent out of shape over it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of the whole point of Jonah. Yeah. Yeah, I just like messing with you sometimes, Lawson. <laughs> this is what happens when you accuse me of being a millennial. <laughs> I, did say that, I did say that revenge was sweet. It doesn't matter. I still, <laughs> I still hold firm to my statement, Lyle. Millennial Lyle. <laughs> All right. Okay, so where were we up to? Okay, so yeah, uh, you've got... Uh, well, you. Yeah. 
Yeah, you could say that's on a town or a city. You could say on the whole nation as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, good one. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the one I like is the period of probation that is given in Daniel chapter nine for yep. Daniel's people, the Jewish people, to get their act together yep. with God. Yep. And uh, of course, that one closed in AD thirty four. I wanted to say that, but I didn't want to be too controversial. Oh, I'm just going to be controversial. <laughs> How else are we going to get people to give us a call here and give us a hard time? one 800 is the number. Okay, what about uh, an entire empire? Oh, an entire empire? You could say the Empire of Rome. Yes. In 538, like five, AD. 538. Yeah, 538. <laughs> well, 538 is when, um, is when the Holy Roman Empire became a, a political nation yes. uh, but it was around that time was it 476 when 476 476 is when they they split apart and we know that they had that period from Daniel chapter 2 yeah. they, they were uh-huh. given a period of time in which they were rule and then a kingdom would come after that so i like the one in uh it's in um <coughs> daniel chapter 5 where oh yeah the, the 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 hand writes on the wall and it actually writes the close of probation yeah many many tackle of a yeah. Babylon yeah. you're over you're done you're finished it's fi- it's, it's yep. done with bam all right what about the whole world oh the whole world that's only that's only at the end of time bro oh no 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 I knew had him I so close <laughs> no 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 no, no, no. I was about to like yes okay so 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 he here we go himself. Noah. Noah. Noah and the Flood. The antediluvian world. Yeah. Are you looking at my screen in the glass? No, I, I, I can't see it. I can't see it, man. It's all backwards and it's all in the glass. It's all backwards and scribbly. I can't read it. Okay. So, there are a lot of different kinds of closes of probation mm. that the Bible describes. What kind of close of probation do we have here in Daniel chapter 8? We have the close of probation for the entire world. And how do you know that? Because there's no more intercession. All right, so I'm going to throw a a, a spanner in the works, a curveball, uh, because go. I agree and I disagree. Oh, here we go. All right, all righty. When probation closes on the whole world at the end of time, mm-hmm. what part of the sanctuary is Jesus in? The holy place. No, the most holy place. The most holy place. So, so. Absolutely. <laughs> the most holy place. And in this verse, what part of the sanctuary is Jesus in? The holy place. Hey, now if you go further, okay, this is this will get your your, your gears churning. If you go deeper into this, this will this will blow your mind. My snapses are f- firing. That they, they, they are they are firing away. All right, so 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 watch this. I've got time for this. This is going to be good. <coughs> Jesus is in the holy place uh-huh. at the start of the trumpets uh-huh. uh, at the start of the churches, the yes. seals, and now the trumpets. Mm. These all begin in the time of the Apostle John. The churches, the seals, and we would assume then the trumpets, the trumpets as well. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is in the holy place here, therefore it cannot be the close of probation at the end of time. That's impossible because that takes place from the most holy place. Yes. Okay, so when you come through to your uh, seventh church, you find Jesus in the um, in the most holy place. Mm-hmm. You find the same in the seals. You find the same in the trumpets. Mm-hmm. Uh, however... At the beginning, Jesus is all in the holy place. So here's what you've got. You have imagery of probation closing on the whole world on one hand and imagery on the other hand that is saying, no, 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 this is not the whole world. So then you have to ask yourself another question. In the Bible, is there a portion, note this, a portion of the whole world that is called the whole world? A 
portion of the whole world. A portion of the whole world that can is you have a close of probation on a portion of the world, which is called the whole world? Man, I'm I'm just stumped, bro. You just, yeah. you're just freaking me out. <laughs> go to the book of Luke. Oh, here we go. Okay, okay. This will melt your brain. All right, I'm I'm ready. I'm prepared. <coughs> which and you as a listener this morning, hopefully it's. Uh, I just enjoy this stuff. Okay, Luke chapter... <laughs> two. Two. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. <coughs> While we're turning there, let me just ask this question. Um, what empire was ruling in John's day? Rome. Thank you. Yes. And we would expect this prophecy to begin in John's day if it parallels the uh-huh. other prophecies? Yeah, for we sure. We would. Yes. For sure. Okay. Uh, read for me chapter 2 and verse 1, please. The Bible says, at that time, the Roman Empire, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Okay, let me read it from my translation. It came to pass in those days, they went out for a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. He was not taxing China, he was taxing the Roman Empire. This is in the sanctuary.
speaking. Hi Jackie, I've just cleaned and polished my motorcycle. Who can I ride with? Why not ride with us? Who's us? Adventist Motorcycle Ministry. What is Adventist Motorcycle Ministry? Adventist Motorcycle Ministry is a Christian motorcycle riders group. We are drug and alcohol free. Rides are normally on the first Sunday of each month. Are other riders welcome? Yes, of course, but they need to be aware that AMM is drug and alcohol free. Where can I find out more information? Just ring Jeff on 0458 505. Yes, call Jeff on 0458-000-505 for more details. That number again is 0458 
depths of hell onto your pants My feet have not slipped I call on you, oh God, for you, oh Lord Answer me I show the wonder of your love, oh Lord Give your ear to my prayer from enemies you saved Those who hide in you Keep me as the apple of your eye Hide me in the shadow of your wings Keep me as the apple of your eye Hide me in the shelter of your wings You are listening to Matt and Josie Minicus with Psalms 17 here on Faith FM. We have come to Question of the Day time. Do we have time for another clue for our quiz? I think yes, we do. we do. Quick clue for the quiz. Who am I? And we know this is the first Christian martyr. And now, I was stoned to death. If you know who that was, okay, give so us a who call. who was this person who was stoned, not with drugs, but with rocks? <laughs> yeah, 1-800-324-843. You will get a prize. But, Lyle, <coughs> question, question of the day. for today. Yes. How does the Bible define love? Okay, so we're looking for a biblical definition of love. There are probably a number of different verses that we can go to. The word love, of course, is mentioned 311 times in the King James Version of the Bible. I really like the way that the Apostle John speaks about love. Uh, he tends to really dig into the depths of it in very, very simple language. And so in First John, that's the first letter of John, Chapter 5 and verse 3, the Bible says, For this is the love of God. When the Bible says, For this is, it is about to give you a definition. What is the love of God? The love of God is that we should keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. So if you want to know what the love of God is, the Bible says that the love of God is keeping the commandments of God. And that's really simple and straightforward when you think about it. When Jesus was asked, you know, which are the greatest of the commandments, his reply was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. On these two laws hang all of the commandments. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at the Ten Commandments, what you'll find very simply is this. The first four commandments deal with our love uh, to God. The last six commandments deal with our love to each other. Therefore, the commandments are all about love. God is love. Therefore, the commandments are a transcript of the character of God, whose character is love. And that's why John says here, this is the love of God, that we should keep his commandments. And really, this is what it comes down to as far as worship goes. The person that you love the most is going to be the person that you place as the highest in your life, and the person who is the highest in your life is the person that you will obey. So you might say one thing with your mouth, but your actions are always going to define exactly who it is that you serve. And we see that very, very clearly if we go over to uh, the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, where we see this principle right here, and we're going to read it. In verse 21, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, 
shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say unto that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and in your name cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. And of course, if we go over to Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, and so there we find you know, people saying, yes, we're Christians, we love, we love God, we do all these miracles in the name of Jesus Christ, and Jesus is like, I don't even know who I am. You don't do the will of my Father. The will of my Father is to keep his commandments, and you don't even do that, so who are you guys? I don't know you. Mm. It's really tragic when you think about it. Okay, let's go over to Romans chapter 13, and Romans chapter 13, what do we got over here? Verse 10, the Bible says, Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is. So here, once again, you have a defining statement. Love is the fulfilling or the keeping of God's law. Once again, a defining statement. That's what the Bible defines, or one of the definitions that the Bible gives for love. What kind of love is this? Of course, if we go over to Ephesians chapter 5 and we go to verse 25, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I want you to notice here that this is self-sacrificing love. This is the kind of love where you put God first and foremost in your life, where you put yourself last, you put others in front of yourself, the whole Christian ethic that exists in our world today exists because of this kind of self-sacrificing love that is introduced to us by Jesus Christ. And so here are some verses, uh, some of the verses that define what love is in the Bible. It's a big subject. We could spend a lot of time on it. We are out of time, and so we do need to move on with today's show. But don't forget, if you have a question that you would like to be addressed for question of the day, then send it to us. Our number is 1-800-324-843, or you can text us on 0491-064-669, and we will answer your question on question of the day. This is Melissa Otto, and she's bringing us Who Is This?
with who is this here on Faith FM we have come to the end of our show where we get to give you something for free you don't even have to answer the quiz question and our gift for today is end time hope a journey to eternity okay so terrorist threats school violence devastating tornadoes a shaky economy the rising nuclear threat in Iran and North Korea it's enough to frighten anyone unless you understand (laughs) What is behind today's headlines? And thus the book begins by Mark Finley um, with his wife, Ernestine, um, who have been involved in uh, um, spreading the gospel for their entire lives. So Mark Finley, very, very famous uh, American evangelist. And uh, just a little book that he's put out right here, but a very, very powerful book talking about the signs of the times and the return of Jesus Christ. It is called End Time Hope. A Journey to Eternity by Mark Finley. That's our free giveaway for today. If you would like a copy of this particular book, then you simply need to give us a call, 1-800-324-843. Give us a call now or text us because the phone, I think, is uh, is busily being used by someone answering the quiz. Text us on 0491-064-669 and be the first one to call through and end time hope a journey to eternity is yours. Bam. Bam. But we've come to the end of the show, haven't we, Law? We have indeed. It's kind of sad. I always get sad at the end of the show because we love you guys so much. Yeah. We love we love it. We just like get into it. We get so hyped. I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Walk you in here in the morning. It's early. We're tired. But we just we just get into it. And by the end of the show, we're just like... We're blessed because we get to talk so to you. Good. And so you good. are important to us. And so that's what it's all about. But anyway... We are hoping that you will tune in again tomorrow and join us again uh, as we continue The Breakfast Show tomorrow. Pray for us. We both have a head cold. (laughs) And may God bless you through the rest of your day. Thou hast been
Thine own dear prayers to cheer and to 